Oh, hello. What is going on? Hello. Welcome back to the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and I'm excited to be back here to chat with you about Monday Night Raw. Love the road to WrestleMania every year. You know we're going to be getting the best segments possible on that road to WrestleMania, and there were some heaters in this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Of course, we got the return of John Cena. We got a face-to-face between Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. Got some good matches. We got lots of stuff happening. Of course, continuation to the Sami Zayn bloodline story. And what a continuation that was. It actually made me yell at my TV, and I love when that happens. That's when you know you're watching good television. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into everything that happened. But first, quick reminder here at the top of the show. Don't forget, brand new episode of Out of Character back this week with one half of the WrestleMania headliners. Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, returns to Out of Character. It's a very good conversation. Always good chatting with Cody on the show, in person, whenever, DMs, whatever. Always a good guy to chat with. So make sure you guys are checking that out. This Wednesday drops here in the podcast feed early in the morning like usual. And then it's going to be on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. WWE on Fox YouTube channel. You better be subscribed there. If you're not, you're slipping. But don't worry, you still got time before Wednesday. So make sure you guys go check that out this Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's the only thing I have to plug here. Should we just get should we just get <laughs> into this show? I'm like looking around, I'm looking at my notes. I think I handled everything that I need to handle right here at the top. So let's just get into the show. I, do I need to give you a whole preamble where I where I just talk and talk and talk before we even get into raw? You want to hear my thoughts on raw. That's what you came here for. That's what we are going to discuss. So let's Discuss. That sounded weird the way I said that. Let's hop into it. The show began with Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, and Paul Heyman arriving to the building earlier in the day. As they got out of the car, Heyman reminded Jimmy that he failed to handle the Sami Zayn situation on SmackDown like he was instructed to do. Because of that, he must do it tonight or else. So then we got KO, Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa. Jimmy, of course, eventually made his way to ringside to get involved, and after multiple failed attempts to help, Jimmy finally got Solo disqualified by attacking Kevin Owens. The duo then beat him down after the match while the crowd chanted for Sami Zayn. Solo prepared to put Kevin through the announce table when suddenly Sami Zayn appeared to save the day. Solo and Jimmy then took off into the crowd And Sammy got into the ring with Kevin, who was still gaining his composure. And once he came to, Sammy attempted to shake hands with him and help him out of the corner. But Kevin refused to accept, instead rolling out of the ring. So more continuation to that. There is more later in the night. But I just wanted to quickly talk here about the fact that Solo Sokoa continues to just be made to look like an absolute force. Even though he has help from the bloodline, the guy is in the ring with world champions and just does not look out of place. I will say, though, um, I, I, uh, I, I felt like um, it was good not to give him a win here, though, because 
we are trying to build to the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus Usos story. That that match, at least that's how it appears. We're building towards that match. And you got to keep Kevin and Sami strong, too. I wasn't a fan of Sami losing so easily uh, on SmackDown. So uh, I was happy here that KO did not just take an easy loss. It was disqualification. I'm okay with that. Much better than just getting an easy win over someone like Kevin Owens after he just did Sami Zayn. Furthermore, I think it makes a ton of sense to stretch out that handshake moment, that hug moment, that rekindling of a friendship between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. That's going to be the moment, you know, that's that's going to be the moment when the crowd goes nuts. That's going to be the memorable thing that happens on this road to WrestleMania. So there's no need to rush into it. You can even do it the week before WrestleMania and give people a story to continually stay invested in. Now we're going to get more into that story as this show goes on. But it was a good match to start off the show. Definitely, I'm not going to complain about getting Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa. Both of those guys kick ass. Both of those guys are serious competitors. Both of those guys look great in their matches. And so, yeah, there was there was nothing bad here whatsoever. But also not a ton to analyze because there was more about this story as the night progressed. And you guys, obviously, if you're listening to this, you most likely watched it. Sometimes, though, people do say they listen to this without watching. So more, there is more to come. I'm not shortchanging the Bloodline story. It's just things got juicier later in the show that I want to talk about. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. After that, Bobby Lashley reacted to Uncle Howdy trying to attack him on SmackDown this week while the video wall flashed Wyatt logos behind him. Similarly, not a ton to analyze here very similar to what we already saw on SmackDown last week and there wasn't any sort of uh, appearance from Bray Wyatt regarding this story um so there's not yeah there's, I don't really have a lot to say about the Bobby Lashley Uncle Howdy stuff because I already kind of went into it on SmackDown and there wasn't anything that was really furthered here in the story more of just a reminder of what happened on SmackDown, in case anyone watching Raw did not watch SmackDown, which I highly doubt. (laughs) Uh, Carmella was interviewed by Byron Saxton after that to hype her match up next against Bianca Belair. Then Chelsea Green interrupted the conversation to complain about Adam Pearce, and Carmella invited her to join her ringside. Now, first, before we get to the match, uh, just quick note on this. I am loving the on-screen chemistry between Chelsea Green and Carmella. It's been quick. It's only been, I think, two segments. But something about them gels so well together. They've got similar vibes, maybe. I don't know if that's it. Um, but I, I am liking this duo so far. I think that we need a good uh, comedy heel tag team. And these two fit the bill there perfectly. And on top of that, they can both wrestle well, too, which is obviously a plus. But I, I, I think that the the Karen thing that Adam Pierce, uh, excuse me, that, that Chelsea Green is doing with Adam Pierce is entertaining. But I, I think it might work better if she has someone to play off of a little bit. I also just think that being paired with someone like Carmella, who has tenure on the roster, 
who's a former champion, will only help uh, Chelsea Green in getting her bearings on the main roster, finding something that she can continue to kind of like sink her teeth into rather than just pestering Adam Pierce. But I do feel as though these two are definitely going to be interacting with Pierce a lot going forward. And I got no problem with that. Carmelo's fantastic. Chelsea Green's hilarious. Um, they had me laughing here. They had me laughing last week. Um, and I think it's always good to have that uh, you know bit of comic relief there. So uh, I like that pairing. I- I'm into that pairing. Then we got Bianca Belair versus Carmella. Chelsea distracted the ref late in the match while Bianca was pinning Carmella. But Bianca fired back, trying to pull her into the ring. This allowed Carmella to hit a super kick for a near fall. Chelsea then then got involved again, and Bianca chased her around the ring before dumping her into the timekeeper's area. Carmella got another near fall after this, but Bianca kicked out and hit the KOD for the win. After the match, Chelsea and Carmella ganged up on Bianca until Asuka came out to make the save by hitting Blue Mist on Chelsea. Asuka and Bianca then stood staring at each other in the ring with the WrestleMania sign looming in the background. And then that segment came to an end. So the match itself, um, like I said, I'm, I like, I'm liking this chemistry between Chelsea Green and Carmella. I like that Chelsea wants to impress Carmella, so she was continually getting involved in the match more than she needed to. Um, you know, it, 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 you know Car- Carmella is a person who has in the past had no problem having a manager that helped give her the edge. And I think Chelsea, you know, trying to show that she can be that for Carmella will be a nice twist on things. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I don't think she can be her manager because she's going to wrestle next week, but kind of like, I guess being a partner, a friend, uh, I, I, I dig it. I think that now Carmella next week, maybe Carmella will do the same thing and, It'll keep. It'll give them both something to do because Carmella was back and didn't have a ton to do. Uh, it seemed like Chelsea had been rehired for a minute and they were trying to figure out something for her to do. This seems like a thing that they could both do going forward that would actually, you know, get them on the shows more often. And 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 I think that they can play off of each other in a way that will entertain people, much like Chad Gable and Otis and and Maximum Male Models. There's there's fun. Uh, comedic chemistry between all those people. I see Chelsea and Carmella having similar uh, luck in the women's division since that's not really a thing that we have a lot of in the women's division right now. Similarly, I believe that Bianca being in matches to showcase her talents ahead of WrestleMania, smart, um, and Carmella continues to be the person they're doing this with. And having her kind of adjacently involved in the WrestleMania build between Bianca and Asuka. And I do think that Carmella does have enough credibility to where, you know, even if she's taking shortcuts and such or trying to cheat to win, they both, you know, the matches that that, that Carmella has had against the two people that are going to be against each other at WrestleMania have actually been fun to watch. And so... Um, it hasn't just been a squash match in both instances, and so uh, I feel that. I'm into that. Uh, you know, on the topic of Asuka and Bianca, though, I really do feel like I need more juice to this. 
Obviously, I think that they're going to have a great match against each other. Bianca Belair is just uh, an absolute superstar. Asuka, so, so good in every match, uh, especially when given an opportunity to have a long one uh, of meaning, meaningful value. Um, but I just kind of, I can't help but feel like the build has left a little bit, I, I just... I, I just desire a little bit more. Um, I, 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 there just hasn't been much of a build, you know. There's been Oscar winning the Rumble. Their past where they were friends, but are they friends? We can't really tell. You know, this this uh, stare down they had tonight on on Raw did seem like Oscar's going to be cool with her. But if that's the case, there's only a couple weeks to WrestleMania. I, I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more heat. Added into this, if Oscar's not gonna play the heel, then they need to do something to make me care about this match a little more. Because I thought we were getting full blown heel Oscar with this new attitude that she has, but she has not really displayed a ton of heel tendencies yet. She was always weird. Her character was always kind of out there, and that's all she's really doing here, but in a different way—a little bit more evil, a little bit more scary of a way. But still, she hasn't really done anything heelish. So, to me, I, I don't have a problem with face versus face stories or anything like that. But I do need some a story of some sort. And right now, there really hasn't been much of a story for Bianca and Asuka. And there's only a few weeks to go. So I would like to see that change. I would like to see some kind of story injected to this. Speaking of story... Back to the best story in WWE right now. Sami Zayn approached Kevin Owens backstage after this segment. Sami said the bloodline is too much for any one person to handle. And they don't need to be best friends again to handle the same objective. Kevin says he gets it, but he doesn't want to do this with Sami. And he should just go back to groveling back to Roman. Sami gives up and walks away. Similarly, like I said at the top... Draw this out. Make people wait for it. Make people want to see that moment. You can hear they're already wanting it. The crowds are chanting for Sami Zayn to Kevin Owens. The people want to see that friendship rekindled. Um, But drawing it out a little bit more is good in my opinion. Because anticipation only makes things better. That's what I think. That's what I personally believe. So um, because of that, I got no issue with with drawing this one out. I think that Kevin Owens, what he's saying makes sense. If you were in his shoes, you'd feel the exact same way the guy just low-blowed you a couple weeks ago and now he wants to be your homie. You've got to be a little bit pissed about that one. Would not be quick to shake the guy's hand and Sami Zayn. You can feel his frustration knowing he chose the wrong side in the end, but he is thinking to himself, hey man, I turned on you, but I also saved you because I realized I made a mistake. So, you know, ultimately, oops, thought I had that on mute, sorry. Ultimately, I do believe that um, we can relate to all sides in this, so drawing it out makes a ton of sense. Um, next we had The Miz moderating a face-to-face between Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. This was one of the highlights of the night. I, man, 
I think that Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins is going to steal the show at WrestleMania. The build to this match has been perfect so far. They've just done everything right. They've made Seth Rollins the babyface who doesn't like Logan Paul. Logan Paul's a guy people already dislike. The people love to dislike the Paul brothers. They are natural heels. And this story is finally playing into that. I know that Logan Paul has said he didn't want to be a heel, didn't want that he wanted to be a babyface, but the people have spoken. And the people, as much as they were impressed with the matches that he has had, the people want to boo him. And Seth Rollins, despite being a tweener, despite you know sometimes playing heel, Seth Rollins knows how to get the people in the palm of his hand and fight the same cause that he is fighting. So I love this. This has been perfectly played so far. Here's what happened. The crowd kept singing Seth's theme until Logan finally told them to shut up because they had a time limit. They kept doing it. They kept doing it. Seth then formally introduced himself to Logan Paul. And then Logan reminds him of their previous run-ins as of late. Logan attempted to talk some trash, but the crowd started chanting the F word at him. Seth then calls him the scum of the earth, a coward, a troll, a fraud, a human dumpster fire, and we don't want you in our house. So this is what I was talking about. You know, there's obviously, even when someone impresses like Logan Paul did, like a Bad Bunny did, there's always going to be those people who say, we don't want a celebrity here. Come on, get the celebrity out of our house. This is wrestling. Put wrestlers on the wrestling show. And to play into that with a Logan Paul, a guy who the fans already wanted to boo, to play into that, let them boo wholeheartedly at him, have him telling them to shut up, him leaning into the heel uh, vibes, him taunting Seth, Seth making it clear that he's not wanted in WWE. Just these are things to me that were long overdue. This should have been the first thing that he was involved in, not necessarily with Seth Rollins. He had to work his way up there. But this whole time, he's really been pushed on us as a babyface. And as much as I enjoyed the work that he has done in the ring, the build to each match was confusing because I think that if you are familiar with the Paul brothers, you know they are overwhelmingly heels when it comes to the majority opinion about them. So to have Seth drop some of the silliness here and just actually go for the jugular by calling him scum of the earth, talking about how we don't want you in our house, is so good. It's so good. Because I said I say it all the time. When you blur the lines of reality and fiction, wrestling is at its best. And even though you know Seth and Logan are both in on this, Seth Rollins dropping all the, the silly antics, the, the, the laughing, the whatever, just to straight up call this guy out, felt real. That's what you want. You want to evoke a feeling of reality in the people that are watching. And that's how I felt watching this. Knowing that, you know, obviously, you know, it's a scripted uh, environment, but it felt real. You could feel what Seth was saying. I'm sure there is a piece of truth in what he is saying about Logan Paul. Seth's 
been in the business 20 years. I'm sure he didn't like Logan saying to him that he's accomplished as much in one year as Seth did in 20. Definitely not something you want to say to a guy. Uh, I'm sure that it was pre-planned ahead of time, but still felt like a heater. These two guys felt like they actually disliked each other. That's what I want to feel. I want to feel a sense of reality while watching these shows. And that's what this was. Seth eventually said Boston came to see him get his pound of flesh and that it's time to fight. Miz gets in the way of this happening and says it's his job to make sure they don't fight. Logan then healed it up on the Boston crowd some more. And Miz said he could make a match between the two happen for WrestleMania. Seth got fired up and tossed Miz out of the ring, which allowed Logan to get the advantage on Rollins for a second but Seth pushed him into the corner. Miz came running back in to break them up, and Seth hit him with a super kick, but turned around and ate a punch from Logan that knocked him out. Uh, Logan then took the mic and said, when you wake up, let me know about WrestleMania. And one more thing. Bye-bye, bitch. This was fantastic. I know I said at the beginning, but even this last part, I don't care that that Logan got one up on Seth Rollins. This is a WrestleMania program here we are talking about, and there's no way, there's no way Logan is beating Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. I tweeted my thoughts on this being one of those matches that could steal the show, and I had a lot of people respond saying, oh, I hope Seth doesn't lose. I have a hard time believing Seth putting Logan Paul over at WrestleMania. Logan's got to pay his dues a little bit too, and he's talking to he, he he's he's up against a guy who has been a WrestleMania reliable performer, a guy you can rely on to have dope matches with whoever. This one is going to be no different, but that does not mean that I think that Logan Paul is going to win. Yes, he's a part timer. Yes, he's he's a famous person that's coming in. They want to have him win matches, and he already lost to Roman Reigns, but they are not having Logan Paul beat Seth Rollins. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. What I see is Seth Rollins pulling out an amazing match out of Logan Paul. One that steals the show, like I said, but also one that's going to be one of those memorable matches that you are not expecting to never forget, but I just feel... I just feel like we're going to see some magic happen in that match, and I'm excited for it. All right, let's get to a quick commercial break, and then I'll be back with the rest of my thoughts on this week's Monday Night Raw. All right, we're back. Hope you enjoyed those commercials. Let's continue on with my thoughts on Raw. We had Amos versus Dolph Ziggler. This was a quick match that saw Amos win in dominant fashion. Ali mockingly watched from the front row. And after the match, MVP promised Brock Lesnar he'd lose to Amos at WrestleMania. This was, I mean, not bad by any means. Uh, it's just so fast. There's not a ton to analyze here. Um, I, 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 do. You, are we gonna see Ali versus Dolph Ziggler at WrestleMania? They've really been building this one up for a while between the two of them. I don't know if it's big enough for WrestleMania at this point. I mean, they haven't had enough of a build. Yes, they've had a build, a small build, but it's more been in the background. I don't know if maybe it's like a Raw after WrestleMania match. If it's a pre-show match, kickoff show. Um, I'm not sure. Um, 
I don't know if enough TV time has been dedicated to this Ali turn. A lot of it's been online and stuff. Um, and I was surprised to see Dolph Ziggler lose in such decisive fashion, considering he's been, you know, someone who does get represented as a veteran in the company. I was surprised by that quick squash. But I'm not going to dwell on this one. There's not a lot that happened here, so let's not spend a lot of time on it. There's better things in the show to spend that time on. Maximum male models were shown backstage after this, talking positively about someone from a distance. And Baron Corbin walked into the frame thanking them. The group them then cut him off to explain they were talking about Otis, not him, who they're looking at in the distance. Corbin says, what does he have that I don't? And Masse says, charisma, uniqueness. Uh, Mensois says, it factor like hair, <laughs> which I, I liked. Um, I also noticed, I don't think I'd seen Mensois. They, they had a ridiculous amount of piercings suddenly that I didn't remember them having before. Uh, Mensois had a Prince Albert looking uh, chin, a bunch of chin uh, piercings. Well... <laughs> Prince Albert, see, that sounds wrong. Had a bunch of chin piercings like Prince Albert used to have back in the day. Uh, excuse me, it sounded weird the way I said that before. Uh, Maxine tells Corbin that she'll consider taking him on as a client if he can take out Chad Gable from the equation later in the night. So we'll get to that. Uh, and then we had Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. The finish saw Balor hit the top rope for a coup de gras when suddenly Edge's music hit. Rhea and Priest attempted to cut Edge off the top of the ramp, but he came in through the crowd and pushed Balor off the top rope. This allowed Gargano to hit the one final beat DDT for the win. And then after the match, Edge, Edge speared Balor in the ring, telling him it's not over. Um, okay, a couple things from this match. Um, first off, I kind of expected more from it. Is that bad that I expected more from this match? Uh, Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano are two guys who are like NXT mainstays. Um, both have had such bangers in NXT. And it's not like this was bad. But I think when I saw these two names on paper, I thought we were going to get like a just an absolute banger here. You know, just the two guys going balls to the wall here. And that's not really what we got. Got some Dexter Loomis. Stuff on the outside, a lot of focus on Dexter Loomis, a lot of focus on Edge, a lot of focus on all the outside stuff, but I kind of wanted to see the focus on Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano more. I am amazed that we are a few weeks away from WrestleMania, and it seems like there's nothing on the card for Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano, one of the biggest returns of all the returns, um... I don't love that there's nothing for him at this point. Um, I'm not sure of what's going on there. Um, I know he had a little bit of an injury thing he was dealing with, I believe, is what was said. Uh, but yeah, I, I just... I, I don't know what, but I wish there was something for Johnny Gargano to do heading into WrestleMania. Because I'm, I'm a fan of his. And you know, when he came back, he talked about wanting to win titles and, and, and all these things and... We haven't really seen that Johnny Gargano who he was when he came back. He's been doing silliness. He's been Dexter Lumisine. He's been, you know, here and there. But um, I want to see more of a dedicated push to Johnny Gargano. So, I, yeah, I didn't. 
I mean, he got the win here, so that's good. Uh, but I was a little disappointed here. Just, just a little bit. Just, just, just a, just a teeny bit. Just a teeny weeny bit. Um, as far as Edge and Balor is concerned, I come, I think I already talked about the fact that I thought I, I had felt like the, you know, this had that this had kind of run its course a little bit, but it does, it does seem as though they're gonna add some juice to this match. Um, Edge was interviewed after the break and said they're they're both costing each other problems in their careers, and then challenged Balor to meet him in the ring next week. I'm guessing a stipulation of some sort will be added to their match. I think I saw a rumor somewhere. I don't want to be a spoiler here. I don't want to be a spoiler. If you didn't see the rumor, whatever. Uh, I'll say it. If you don't like it, uh, look at you guys. Are you guys? You guys can hear me debating myself in real time in my brain here. Um, I mean, sure, I'll, it's, a, it's a minor spoiler, but I saw a rumor. And I don't know the the, the the the. I don't know how legit it is whatsoever. I just saw someone talking about like a rumored WrestleMania card online. I have no idea who the rumors came from or where they came from or who was saying this. But um, I think I saw a rumor online that said it might turn into a Hell in a Cell match between the two of them, and that don't have a problem with. I think a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania would be pretty sick. I just, um, yeah, I think it would be pretty sick because I feel like Hell in a Cell matches should be the blow-off to a blood feud, should be the blow-off to something that's been going for a year. That, that that's, a, that's what the Hell in a Cell match is for. Not just a gimmick at a pay-per-view. It should be the end-all, be-all of a feud where two guys can no longer handle their differences in any other way but a hell in a cell and put their opponent through hell. I'm into that idea. Don't really know logistically how it works, uh, but I could see that, and that would make sense as to why Edge challenged Balor to meet him in the ring next week. If they do add a stipulation to it, it would definitely add a little bit of extra oomph to this feud and man, if we got a Hell in a Cell match and we got Edge versus the Demon, come on. Come on. That's 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 WrestleMania moment right there. That's WrestleMania magic. I'd be super into that. I think it'd be all like purple to the demon because he's in judgment day now. Seems it seems uh, you know, it, it writes itself. And then you get Finn Balor a huge win against Edge at WrestleMania as the demon re- Bring some, breathe some new life into the demon. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. I know I wouldn't. I'd be pumped on that. Nikki Cross versus Piper Niven. Nikki attacked Piper from behind before the match began and then scratched her eyes and pulled her hair. The bell finally rang. Nikki hit a cross body, but then Piper got her bearings beneath her and stepped back into the ring before hitting a boss man slam for the win. I'm not really sure what the point of this was. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to sound negative about too much of this show, but I can't say that I fully understand the point of this. Um, yes, I am liking Piper getting more love on the road to WrestleMania. I'm loving her just getting more of a push, but I don't think we're getting Nikki Cross versus Piper Niven at WrestleMania. We're dedicating a lot to this, and I don't understand what the end 
goal is necessarily. There's been a lot of Nikki Cross-related things that keep happening, that they keep doing with her, and I'm happy that they are doing things with her because Nikki Cross is fantastic. And I'm happy that they're dedicating TV time to her and and not just giving up on the switch back to her old character. However, a lot of these things don't seem to have a, a much of a point. Um, you know, there was the Candace stuff, and then it kind of just like went away. Now she's feuding with Piper. Nothing's really happening with it. She got squashed pretty quickly. I don't really understand where it's going. Like if I'm my, if my job is an analyst and I need to analyze where I think this is going, I can say with confidence that um, I don't know what the what 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 the deal is here. But I do like Piper Niven being made to look uh, stronger on TV. Um, the Dewdrop stuff did her no favors, and you can see with the Piper Niven stuff. Um, it's night and day compared to what she was doing before. So much more. Uh, so the ceiling has been raised so much higher than what it was when she was dewdrop. I'm enjoying it. I just, uh, yeah, I wish I could figure out what I think is going on with all the Nikki Cross stuff as of late that just kind of seemed to just kind of like be there and and not have an actual point. Um, next, Boogs ran into Elias backstage, and Elias tells him to challenge Bronson Reed, following his footsteps. Boogs takes the advice, and challenges Bronson on behalf of Elias, but it's it's Elias who's going to be the match, not not Boogs. This makes Elias angry over the mistake. Now, in the background of this, you can see Cody Rhodes and Kevin Owens having a conversation. Couldn't tell if they were supposed to be arguing or just having a spirited chat but i couldn't help but notice the two of them were shown in the background i feel like i'm being so negative on this this episode i mean the things i loved i really loved the things i didn't like that much i had more of an issue with um you're gonna see more glowing positivity in the next segment but as far as this one is concerned I'm waiting to see what the what like why we're supposed to care about Boogs and Elias. Um, I I am such a big fan of Boogs, but I don't like. I'm not loving what they're doing with this character right now. He was so much more entertaining when he was with Nakamura, um, and I haven't felt like doing things with Elias is on the same level as any of the stuff that he was doing. With Nakamura. So the jury's still out on this because it's still new, but so far, it, in my opinion, it doesn't have anywhere near the same spark as everything Boogs and Nakamura were doing together. Maybe the Raw After Mania, maybe this is building up to the Raw After Mania, and Elias tries to get Boogs to join a band with him, and Boogs says, Wait, what? I'm already in a band. Uh, and and uh, I play guitar for him, and then he pulls out the guitar, and he starts doing the Nakamura entrance. And then we get Nakamura versus Elias on the Raw after Mania. We get the return of Nakamura. It's the only thing I could see saving all of this because I don't really think I want to see Elias forming a band with someone else. He already did that whole kind of like thing with Riddle recently. It was fun. 
But I don't think I need to see it replaced with someone else in the absence of Matt Riddle. And I think that Boogs is so electric that he doesn't necessarily need the other music guy to be attached to him. But what do I know? Maybe that's just me. Let's get into the next segment, which I loved. And that was the return of John Cena. John Cena made his entrance and was teary-eyed on the stage, returning home in Boston. Right away, you knew this was going to be good. When you saw that, you knew right away this was going to be good. Cena had to like cover his face on the ramp because he was sad. Uh, I shouldn't say sad because he was emotional. It's a better way of wording it. Uh, he gets in the ring, and before he can speak, he's immediately confronted by Austin Theory. Theory talks about how he only became a WWE superstar because of Cena and how John inspired him growing up. He then said he had a gift for John from the bottom of his heart. And that was a challenge to wrestle him at WrestleMania for the United States Championship. Cena simply says no in response. I'm not interested in your gift because you haven't earned the right to give it. Oof, deep cut. You could see the whole time that Theory was talking here. You could see this look in Cena's face where he was like, Keep talking, because I am about to slice and dice you to pieces, my friend. I've done it my entire career. And you can just see him watching Theory talk, waiting for his moment. Just just waiting to pounce. Just waiting to take his his meal and just tear it to pieces before he, he just shut he just engorged it down his throat. Um, that was that was uh, detailed. Excuse me, uh, but <laughs> you can just see it in his face. You know, growing up watching John Cena. I should say growing up like I was a child, child. But when you know watching Cena throughout his career, um, we've seen him do this to people time and time again. He's done it to Roman Reigns. He's done it to everybody. He he takes people. He chews them up, spits them out. That's what Cena does. He is. Too good on the microphone. And you can just see him analyzing everything Theory was saying, taking all these mental notes and writing notes, getting ready to unleash as soon as it was his time to speak. Uh, He told Theory uh, that he's been watching and listening to him, but he doesn't care about Theory, just like everyone else in the arena. We don't believe you because you don't believe you. And then he calls him a generic kid in fancy sneakers, who's wearing his glasses indoors. Uh, John then uh, also calls himself the ghost of Christmas future and says to Theory, this should show him how the ruthless... uh, Oh, excuse me. He calls himself the ghost of Christmas future and mentions how the ruthless aggression era of himself almost got him fired, making the comparison that Theory is also on that same line there ever since... Vince McMahon has no longer been calling him the golden boy. I think that he's been trying to find himself. And as much as people enjoyed Cena when he was trying to do the same, uh, it took a while for him to actually find himself. And and he almost lost his job in the process um, until rapping John Cena came along. And no, I'm not... I don't think he's telling Theory that he should start rapping. He's just saying that he needs to find his true self and stop pretending to be this this vision of what he thinks a wrestler is and instead be himself the wrestler. Um, So the opportunities aren't enough. You got no heart. You got no soul. You're a pair of trunks away from being a jabroni. Uh, And then he tells him to get out of the ring and Boston will let 
him go in one piece. Uh, there's still more here, of course, but just as far as that is concerned, before Theory starts to fire back, just want to say classic John Cena, man. Say what you will about him. If you're listening to this right now, you obviously have an opinion on him. Either you love John Cena or you probably hate him. Probably not in the middle somewhere. Usually it's one or the other with John Cena, but I really enjoyed this. Um, I think I, I <laughs> when I was younger, I was, of course, of the crowd who would see John Cena do this to people and be like, well, he just cut that guy's legs out from underneath him. Goodbye. That guy doesn't stand a chance now. Uh, try again in, in a year when they need someone else to go up against Cena at pay-per-view. But um, with it being so long and John being a veteran now, and also because of the fact that we've watched theories growth since coming to the main roster, we've seen the Vince McMahon stuff, we've seen the change post-Vince McMahon I think what John Cena is saying does ring true with a lot of people when it comes to theory, that they don't buy what he's selling quite yet. Yes, he calls himself the future. Yes, you know, he is, uh, you know, a great looking dude that's built. But there's that thing, there's that X factor. You do need that X factor to be the guy. To be a John Cena, you need to stand above the rest. And I don't know if Theory would be doing that without the opportunities being given to him. So, with that being said, um, I thought that what Cena was saying here, um, what Cena was saying here, doesn't hurt theory because it's something that the people are already thinking about theory. And now it's on theory to prove everyone wrong. And this is an opportunity. I mean, a match John, with John Cena at WrestleMania is the opportunity to show people that you can be the guy. So if he wants that opportunity, now he's got it. I also thought theory had a great line. He said, uh, he's not going anywhere. Just like the bald spot on Cena's head, uh, which got a great reaction from the crowd. Uh, and he said that John's catchphrase is never give up, but that's exactly what he's doing. Cena said, "I'd rather be bald than have them pipe in crowd noises for your than having them pop than having them pipe in crowd noises for your matches." Love when Cena does that. Cena is one of the few people who can who can say stuff like that. Uh, he then calls Theory a dumb son of a bitch, and that he didn't say no to the match to give up. He said no because Theory isn't ready. You and I have a, rest, a match at WrestleMania, and I win. You lose everything. And if you win, you also lose everything because then you'll have to go out in front of the WWE audience, and they know, and they'll know you're still full of crap. Cena asks the crowd, anyways, though, if they want to see him wrestle theory at WrestleMania. And of course, they say yes. So Cena accepts on behalf of the people. And then he says on the way out, I wish you luck, dude. Because we all know you don't have it here, pointing to his head. We know you don't have it here, points to his heart. And we all know you don't have it here. And hits him in the in the below in the crotch. Uh, and then as he's getting out of the ring, says, "Oh wait, you really need to work on that last bit." Um, overall, man, just great, 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 great stuff. Um, Theory versus John Cena is a match that people have been wanting to see. It's one of those matches that people expected to see at WrestleMania. 
And I got no problem with John Cena wrestling for the United States Championship uh, on the grand at the grandest stage of them all. But that wouldn't be grammatically accurate on the grandest stage of them all. Stoked to see that. And I do think that John Cena, when he wants to turn it on, can turn it on. We saw years ago when he did the United States Open Challenges that he could wrestle a guy like Theory and and wrestle on their level. Now, granted, been away from the ring for a little bit. That, to me, it's not going to be a problem. I think that we're going to finally see a dope John Cena match. You know, we've seen... Uh, a main event John Cena match. We've seen him kind of a, a tag match, only get involved a little bit. But something tells me that this is a match that he's known about for a long time, and I have a feeling he's been getting ring ready for it. And I think we're going to see Cena in rare form. We're going to see the Cena of old wrestling, a young guy taking him to the limit. We'll get to my predictions when I do a prediction predictions show. But I do believe that this was the right move. I talked about how I thought, um, you know, some of the other possibilities of what I thought Cena could do at WrestleMania. But ultimately, having former GOAT John Cena, I guess former GOAT doesn't work, GOAT, current GOAT John Cena, going against a guy who has based his entire career around John Cena will be fantastic. Theory deserves that match. Theory has elevated his game in the months that have that have preceded Vince McMahon stepping down. He is no longer that same selfie guy. He has done a good job of molding himself into a different image. And I think that he can not only pull a good match out of John Cena because it's so important to him, but I think that John Cena will want to rise to the occasion because of the fact that this guy straight up idolizes him sammy tells kathy kelly sammy zane tells kathy kelly after this that kevin owens was right he did turn his back on ko in this building but everything is different now sammy then tells jimmy uso that tonight is not going to be his night because he isn't stopping until he takes down the bloodline so then we get uh baron corbin versus chad gable and this was another one where Unfortunately, there there wasn't too much to analyze here because um, it was really quick. <laughs> so, um, not a lot to say there. But I do think that um, we're getting the the return of, in some fashion of Baron Corbin being like his broke bum ass character. You can see the unraveling continue to happen. Becky Lynch and Lita came out after that. The duo hyped up their win the week before. And then introduced Trish Stratus as their equalizer last week. Trish began to explain her actions, but then got interrupted by damage control. Bailey called Trish and Lita the reasons why they're all doing this today. But damage control will be the reason why they don't come back. Fantastic line from Bailey there. Trish uh, reminded Bailey that she can easily go from retired to not in just a drop of a dime. So she couldn't think of a better place to shut Bailey up than at WrestleMania in a six-woman tag match. Bailey accepts, and a brawl kicks off between both teams, but Damage Control are eventually run off. Who's going to be mad about seeing Trish Stratus and Lita at WrestleMania? Come on! Against Bailey? Against Bailey and Damage Control? Like, dude, it's crazy that we're getting Bailey 
against Trish Stratus and Lita at WrestleMania. I know there's other people around it, but just that. I mean, come on. If you've been following Bailey's career, you know how awesome that is. You know that's something that is probably the coolest thing in the world for her, someone who looked up to those women growing up. Those six, I just, I'm pumped for it because you know that EO and Dakota and Bailey are going to make sure that they pull out a good match out of Trish Stratus and Lita and do them right, giving them a good match at WrestleMania. A bit surprising for Trish Stratus to come out of retirement. I felt like her send-off against Charlotte Flair was fantastic. Good match to end her career on. But look it, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. It's pro wrestling. <laughs> and in pro wrestling, people come back from retirement all the time. It's like the number one trope in all of pro wrestling. People coming back out of retirement for another match. So there's no issue here. Who cares? Now she's coming back full time. Let these people who can still go, go while they can, man. These are legends. I've never been the type who's like, oh, too many celebrities and legends at WrestleMania. No, I want the best show possible. I want to have a bit of nostalgia. I want to be thinking about um, cool matches. I want to be thinking about the end of fantastic stories. I want to be seeing celebrity cameos in matches. I want all of it. The spectacle of WrestleMania. So, no issue with a part-timer coming out of, or excuse me, with a with a with a Hall of Famer coming out of retirement for this match. WrestleMania is two nights now. If we're doing a two-night WrestleMania, give me all the good matches. Give me the spectacle. Give me matches like Bailey against two of her heroes, Becky Lynch on the other side, Dakota Kai and Io Sky in the ring too. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that all the way. Trish looks fantastic. Lita, I am such a big fan of. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm I, pumped about this. I, I think that that's going to be a good match. I'm wondering if that means there's no women's tag title match at WrestleMania. That's interesting. I, I figured with the way that Triple H has handled them this whole time um, that there would be a tag title match at WrestleMania. So, um, there's still a few weeks left there. We'll have to see if anything changes with the, the women's tag titles. Uh, prior to the show, um, but yeah, man, people love Tristratus, people love Lita, so this is fantastic, I'm pumped, I, I definitely am excited to see them both wrestle at WrestleMania, I'm gauging like, since I'm gonna be there, who I, as a fan, would be excited to see in the ring, not just criticizing because I have a podcast that I need to fill time on for an hour, so when I look at it, to me, it gets me excited, so I'm pumped about that. I'm going to see them there in person. Those are two people I grew up watching. Yeah, I'm pumped. Lastly, the main event, Sami Zayn versus Jimmy Uso with Solo Sokoa. Solo got ejected early on from the ringside area. And then Jay Uso eventually made his way to ringside through the crowd, much to the chagrin of Jimmy Uso. But Sami stole the win right after uh, Jay continued to stand on the announce desk as a dejected Jimmy sat in the ring looking on. Jay then made his way between the robes and put his hands on Jimmy's shoulders while staring at him seriously. Jay continued to get emotional while doing this and eventually dipped out of the ring to stand beside Sammy. He then told Sammy he trusts him and gave him a hug while Jimmy, while Jimmy dropped to one knee in sadness watching Sammy and Jay throw it up beside each other. I was watching this thinking, man, 
this changes the WrestleMania match. How do we have this moment happen? How? How do we have the trust bond here between Sammy and Jay? How do we get past this to do the Usos versus Sammy and Kevin, if that's the plan? I was watching that thinking like, I want to see Sammy and Jay as the tag champions right now. I'm thinking all these new scenarios in my head while watching it, and then BAM! Super kick from Jay Uso to Sammy Zayn. Jay starts screaming at Sammy, asking him why he thinks he would join him and that this is a family business. The beatdown happens. Cody runs out to make the save, and the show comes to an end. I forgot to mention earlier that John Cena called out Cody Rhodes as well to give a little bit of a rub to him, which I thought was a smart thing to do between Cody Rhodes and John Cena. Now, now this is what I'm talking about here. Okay, now, you know, when I was watching SmackDown and I was watching the build-up the past few weeks, I kept thinking, like, how are we going to get to Sammy and Kevin versus the Usos for the tag titles when Jay does not seem to be on the same page as Jimmy? But tonight... Jimmy got what he wanted. Jay is back on his side. He's no longer friends with Sami Zayn. Honorary Oos. He honorary oosed him out. Took him out. Um, I loved this. I was watching my TV. Like I said, I was watching my TV. Totally buying into this. And I think that when when I'm buying into what I'm watching, and even I'm not expecting the swerve, um, as someone who's supposed to cover this for a living, that's when you know you're doing a good job. Uh, you know, the whole, <laughs> you know, look over here thing, you know, they want you to look at one thing to divert your attention away, and then they, boom, they smack you right in the face with the thing you weren't thinking would happen. Um, I love that. That's so good. That's when pro wrestling is great. So um, good stuff here. Uh, now I understand how we can get to Sami Zayn and Kevin versus the Usos. Bummer that Jay Uso is back on the Bloodline team. I thought that we were going to have to get a Jimmy Uso beat down in order for Jay to, to return to the Bloodline, but it looks like he has made his decision. And now at WrestleMania, we'll finally see the Bloodline fall. That's what I think. We're going to finally see the Bloodline fall. It's been years in the making, huge streaks happening. Time for the Bloodline to go down but great main event i was surprised they didn't end the show with cena so when when this angle happened to end it i realized why cena didn't close the show they got a good angle here going at the end a, a big moment in the bloodline storyline with sammy Zayn. jay uso was the thing that was breaking the family apart we kept seeing Jimmy continually say that, you know, family argues, this is just a little thing, he's emotional, um, and it turned out his brother knows him better than everybody else, because now Jey Uso is back in the bloodline. Good stuff, good emotional storytelling, you know, Jey Uso can say so much with just his facial reactions, and that's what you want out of a pro wrestler, just saying so much without saying anything at all. And you can just feel the emotion oozing out of his entire body. This was good. Whoever is crafting this, just, I just, thank you. Thank you for good storytelling. I appreciate it very much as someone who watches this every week. 
and has to analyze what's happening here. Um, I like that you don't even need to analyze this too much. You can just say, it absolutely ruled. All right, I'm done here. I'm wrapping up. I'll be back on Wednesday. Like I said, this Wednesday, new ad character with the one, the only, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. We're talking about his WrestleMania main event coming up. We're talking about the Sami Zayn situation. We're talking about early 90s WCW and so much more. So make sure you check that out this Wednesday in this podcast feed, which you should be subscribed to already. And if you enjoyed these podcasts, make sure you leave a rating or a review. You can also watch my interview with Cody on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. It's where you can find Add a Character every Wednesday, as well as clips from the show, YouTube shorts, and more. Also clips from Raw and SmackDown and other WWE content. So make sure you are subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel and make sure you watch my interview with Cody Rhodes this Wednesday. Also, go follow WWE on Fox on social media, at WWE on Fox on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup. Pew, pew.